0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Celtic Preacher. How do you love someone who hates you? And why would you even want to? How how do you love someone who's harmed you? And why would Jesus even suggest such a strange thing? Yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Loving the unwelcome people in our lives. We're looking at the passage in uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter six, and I've never actually heard anyone ever say that this is a favourite verse. It is, but it's a well-known verse. This is Jesus speaking: "Love your enemies, and do good to those who hate you." Doesn't really make a lot of sense, does it? Love your enemies, and do good. To those who hate you, it seems impractical, uh, almost dangerous, naive, and certainly impossible to do. How can you possibly love an enemy? And even if you actually don't have an enemy, I mean, just try loving someone who irritates you, or someone who's hurt you, or someone who has disappoints you, or how about someone who makes you angry? Or they simply do things differently from you. How can you love someone like that? You know, it's a strange thing, but in life, you learn more about yourself having one or two difficult people than 50 nice people that you don't have any trouble with. And I think maybe that's because it's the unreasonable people that cause us to look inward they cause us to reflect, which of course can lead on to prayer in a way, because it's like God, you have to help me with this. I have no idea how to deal with this person. Now, in fairness to this text, the first listeners, Jesus is actually speaking about real enemies here. Now, I'm going to broaden it, uh, the application out to include, you know, unwelcome people in our lives, but before I do that, I do want to just pause for a minute and think about the original listeners. The original listeners to this teaching truly had proper enemies, and I know that there are still, uh, you know, some of you may say, yeah, I I get it, I do have a proper enemy. So the original listeners had proper enemies. Uh, Enemies as in they could be killed, enemies as in war, because the first people that heard this teaching lived in a war-torn land. It really wasn't safe to be a follower of Christ. Now, here in North America, for the most part, that is not our experience, but there's plenty other countries where following Christ puts you in the minority group. And when you're in a minority group, You know, that can put you in a very precarious position. And this was the plight of the first listeners to Jesus' teaching. The Roman soldiers stood on the corners of their towns, they lived in an occupied land. So, and the reason I mention this is is because you can imagine how much they must have hated these Romans, the ancient Romans, and their oppressive ways and their taxation and their rule. And I mention this because Jesus didn't teach in a vacuum. People had real enemies. So when Jesus gives you a line like, you know, the teaching is love your enemies, that sounded as unrealistic to the first listeners as it does to us. How can you love someone Who's, who's threatening you? How can you love someone who has harmed you? Or for us today, how can you love someone who broke a promise, lied to you? How can you love someone who criticized you or let you down or disappointed you or demanded too much or ridicules you or doesn't appreciate you? How can you love that one? So this is a passage that speaks to this and and so uh, much more serious offences. Now, one of the most helpful things that I ever learned when Jesus speaks about love, it has nothing to do with affectionate feelings. This is often uh, misunderstood. Because the command to love has nothing to do with liking someone. The command to love, Jesus' command to love, has nothing to do with approving of someone or agreeing with someone, just going along to get along. It's not about condoning their behavior, loving someone as far as Jesus is concerned. Biblical love is an action. It's not a feeling. Biblical love is an action. It's a behavior. It's really a way of living. Now the feelings, our feelings may change in time towards someone or not but the command to love stands regardless of how we feel. In other words you can can love without liking love one another as I have loved you Jesus said. Learn how to do this. Learn how to Love one another as I have loved you. So it's like, well, who's the model? Well, Jesus is saying, watch how, what I do. Watch how I live and learn how to love as I have loved you. Now, it's for all people, right? It's not just for those that we like. So we know it's it's more than our personal affections. It's a call much bigger than my personal likes And dislikes. And it's a way of living that's very different from our own first natural responses. So this whole idea of learning how to love, or God's way of living in the world, is is really something that we have to practice. It's not something that comes naturally to us. And also this applies to learning how to love yourself, which was another teaching of Jesus. It's not just about learning how to love people, but Jesus also taught that we have to learn how to love ourselves. But either way, whether you're learning about how to love other people or yourself, it still takes practice. It doesn't necessarily come naturally to us. Because our own first natural response to someone who hurts us, or if they hurt someone we love, It might be to get even in some way, right? We might want to give back as good as we get, right? You gossip about me, well, I have a few stories of my own, and I can, you know, I can say lots of things about you. Or if you cheat me in business, I can cheat you too when I get an opportunity. Or uh, sometimes if people hurt us, you ignore me, then I'll ignore you. Well, this is just when we mirror behavior. And when we mirror the other person's behavior, Jesus is saying, no, i that's not the way to live. I have another way for you. Walter Wink called it the third way, the theologian Walter Wink. He says, I have another way for you. It's not just being a mirror to whoever has hurt you. I don't want you to copy that. I have another way for you. And in this passage in Luke 6, he gives us an example. Now, at first reading, it's not going to make a lot of sense, but hold on in there. Here's Jesus' example of what it looks like to love. If someone strikes you on the cheek, give him the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, give him your left. Now, this is a Great example of lost in translation, because it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us. But to the first listeners, they knew very well what a backhanded slap meant. Because this is what the Romans did to them, the backhanded slap. Literally, the backhanded slap is always, was always given from a superior to an inferior. So an ancient Roman to an ancient Jew. An ancient master to an ancient slave. Jesus says, someone hits you, you turn the other cheek. Don't hit back and become become just like the one who's hitting you, right? But instead, you turn the other cheek. Now, in those days, that would be an act of resistance, That's an act of resistance. It's not passive. It's certainly not. Jesus doesn't teach, be passive. But to turn the other cheek is an act of resistance. It's like Jesus is saying, listen, I'm giving you another way to live. I'm giving you another way, and it's God's way. I'm giving you another option that you've never considered. In the past, what did you do? In the past, you would fight fight or flight that's the that's the usual mode for people right depending upon your personality you either attack or you avoid that's the usual way if you're the fighting type of personality then your first thought is to get even and then what happens is is that we end up looking very similar to the person that we don't like. And, and, and actually, this doesn't have to be about big things. I mean, we can fight in small ways too. I mean, con- continually correcting someone is a form of aggression. Continually criticizing someone or controlling someone is a form of aggression. They're all ways of communicating when we're not happy. Jesus is saying, no. Turn the other cheek. Don't get like the very one who's hurting you. And don't run away in a void. How about a third way? How about a third way? Now, by the way, Jesus doesn't spell out what we're to do in every situation that we're in, right? What he does is he gives timeless principles. So he's not going to say to you, okay, this is how you're going to deal with Uncle Harry when you're around the Christmas dinner table and he starts talking about politics or whatever. He's not going to spell out how you're to handle people that drive you crazy, Or worse, someone who's hurt you badly. But what Jesus does is, is that he gives principles. So it's like, what does turning the other cheek look like in your situation? Is there another option that you've never considered? Because some of us are truly not fighters. Right? We hate arguing. We hate tension. So much so that, you know, uh, I really can't handle this, so I think I'll just withdraw. I don't want to fight. I'll just withdraw. This is too much. I need space. I need time away. No, I I don't want to talk about it. I just want to avoid it. Well, maybe that's the natural response, right? But maybe it's not the best way. And it's most likely not the most loving way. Turning the other cheek, Jesus is teaching. Turning the other cheek is a way of saying, you know, sometimes the best thing to do is the hard thing to do. It is the more difficult path. That's why Jesus called his way the narrow path, because it's, it's, we have a preference for broad paths rather than taking the, the more difficult way. The more difficult way goes against your usual pattern, your your normal way of behaving. It's like, well, what if you didn't withdraw, or what if you didn't, you know, flight? <laughs> what if you didn't do that? What if you didn't do your usual way? What if something could be cleared up, or what if something could be resolved? Or what if, what if some kind of closure could come where you could regain your self-respect? What if you clearly drew a line and set a boundary? See, the challenge is going with the third choice because we tend to get stuck in either-or thinking. One way or the other. We tend to get stuck one way or the other. And what Jesus is teaching is, no, there's always a third way. There's always a third way. And you always know when God is leading you because God's way always leads to freedom, as in in, internal freedom. So when you have internal freedom, it's like you feel like, uh, I've done everything that I can do now. I'm free. I've done everything I can do. There's no unfinished business here. There's nothing else that I need to do. It's all been taken care of, from my perspective. See, the path of change and the path of spiritual growth is, is slightly different than what we expect. So, if I'm assertive and forceful and opinionated maybe that's not always the most helpful response, right? Maybe the energy that I bring to a relationship or a problem or a family dilemma or a committee meeting or my child, right? Discussion with my child. Maybe the most loving thing for me to do is rein in all my energy and all my opinions. Rein that in, pull back and say nothing. Because maybe I always tend to say too much. And you know what happens for people when they say too much? Nobody can hear you after a point. They, They don't listen anymore. And if that's the type of person I am, you know, if that's the case, then much of my spiritual life will be about learning the appropriate amount of energy and the appropriate amount of force and assertiveness. That would be the third way. That's like turning the other cheek. So for these so it's almost like Jesus' teaching always brings up this idea of oh I never I never even thought about that. Oh I thought I only had two choices to say nothing and suffer or to speak speak up and end up in a Roman jail. Right? So the first listeners would think, well I never I, I it never occurred to me to turn the other cheek. I thought I just had to be passive and suffer and just go on with it or speak up and maybe die. And so Jesus is showing us here we have to be open to living a new way. It's really a new way altogether. It's what Jesus called walking in love or walking in the spirit. And again, the opposite is if I'm not an assertive person, You know, if I'm more inward, if I'm more passive, if I'd rather avoid conflict at any cost, if I'd really rather not speak about it, not deal with things, not call attention to whatever is bothering me, Jesus would say, well, again, it's the same thing. If you truly want to learn how to love, if you want to learn how to follow me, which, by the way, leads to abundant life, then you have to learn how to speak the truth, and love, and step up. You have to learn how to do it. Well, what if I don't? Then you stay stuck. <laughs> then you, then you just stay. We just stay stuck. But in order to grow, in order to grow, we have to be willing to say what needs to be said. We can't be quiet. It can't be business as usual. If you want to follow. And grow into and discover who you were truly created to be. I mean, this is a this is what life is all about. It is discovering and living into who we were created to be. This is a huge part of salvation, which the word I've mentioned before is wholeness. This is what wholeness is. And Jesus is showing us here this third way by turning the other cheek. He's saying, you've got to learn how to turn the other cheek. Think about the third option. And for us, many times it's like, wow, I I, I didn't really think I could change that part of me. Well, it's not so much about changing anything. It's more learning how to let go of ways of responding to certain people or certain situations or challenges and learning God's way. What Jesus called the path of love. And wisdom is learning what we can't change and what we can change. That's an important line there, isn't it? Learning what we can change and what we can't. And wisdom is stopping and reflecting before acting or speaking because rarely our first reactions are helpful. And wisdom is considering a third choice. When we thought we only had two choices, it's like God's saying to us, no, no, there's a whole other way here. There's a whole other way. It's like, really? Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. You know, when you have someone in your life that is against you in some way, or you feel that against you, you feel like you have an enemy, or you feel that like you have someone that's harming you in some way. That's an amazing breakthrough that God's saying, "No, there is a third choice here. There's something that you haven't considered." And, th- and taking that third choice, ultimately, although it is the narrow way, ultimately it's going to lead you into greater freedom. And I'm talking about that internal freedom when you finally feel set free and on the right path, you're honoring yourself, you're being true to yourself. There's the prayer, there's the prayer, there's the heart cry. God, help me to walk in that third way. Show me the path and let me walk into it. Well, thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.